Welcome to episode three of the Forum Podcast. This is a resource for youth ministry leaders in the state of Louisiana and made possible through CP Giving. Our hope is always to provide encouragement to you and provide insights that are helpful to your ministry. My name is Brandon Lewis, and I'm the youth ministry strategist for Louisiana Baptist, and I have to say that I am really excited about this episode. You know, what I know and have learned about myself is that I am the kind of learner that often has to experience something before I really understand the lesson that's being taught. One example for my life would be changing a flat tire. My dad told me and taught me several times how to do it, but I really didn't understand or become confident in that task until I actually had to change a flat tire myself. For me, lots of things in ministry have been very similar to that experience. There have been some things that even if a seminary professor taught them, I never really understood until I actually had to walk through those experiences. Our guest on the Forum podcast today is Dr. Steve Horn. Dr. Horn is the executive director for Louisiana Baptist and, in my opinion, is doing a phenomenal job. Today, I've asked that he would join us and change hats, if you will, back to being the pastor of a local church to give us insights into a few questions that I've heard from some of our youth ministry leaders in our state. Dr. Horn, welcome to the Forum Podcast. Well, hello, Brandon. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for those kind words. And uh, it's good to spend a few moments with youth ministry leaders and indeed to um, to put the pastor's hat on, to wear the pastor's hat here uh, today. I'd like to start, if we can, with just a, a few get-to-know-you type questions. Um, since you have been uh, with uh, Louisiana Baptist, you've spent a, a great deal of time traveling the state, uh, but maybe there are some listeners who haven't had the opportunity to, to speak with you personally uh, or a chance to get to meet you. So just a few questions to, to get to know uh, Dr. Horn. Uh, I mentioned that, uh, that you were previously a pastor of a local church. How long did you serve as a pastor, and were all of those uh, pl- places of ministry in Louisiana? Uh, yeah, all in Louisiana. Uh, in fact, let me just back up a bit and uh, kind of give you the uh, the short story. Uh, I'm 50, 51, and all 51 years I have technically been a resident of Louisiana. Uh, only years living out of Louisiana. I did go to college outside uh, of Louisiana. Okay. Uh, but other than those four years of college, I've been uh, living in uh, Louisiana. So all of my years of pastoring uh, have been in, uh, in in Louisiana. It's been a fantastic journey uh, before I accepted this role. Uh, 27 years in all as a, as a pastor uh, of one of four of our Louisiana Baptist uh, churches. Started my journey as a pastor uh, in uh, extreme Eastern Livingston Parish. In fact, so close to Tangipahoe Parish that the church was in Livingston Parish uh, and the parsonage was in Tangipahoe <laughs> Parish, but they weren't uh, uh, an eighth of a mile apart from each other. No, that's that's how on the line we were. And I was there uh, at the New Haven Baptist Church and uh, the address was Tickfall, uh, mm-hmm. Louisiana. So on Highway 1064 there. And then in 1995, we moved to the other side of the parish uh, to the community of Satsuma. Uh, you'll see the sign for Satsuma right off uh, Interstate 12. And and we were in the community of Satsuma at Satsuma Baptist Church from 1995 to 1999. So a little bit over uh, four years, about four years and, and six months. Okay. And then at the end of 1999, November of 1999, 
uh, we were called to uh, Highland Baptist Church in New Iberia. A lot of your listeners uh, probably are familiar with Dr. Reggie Oje, who's mm-hmm. a professor at seminary. I immediately followed him. And then um, in 2005, uh, I uh, began as pastor of First Baptist Church Lafayette and was there until uh, the Lord called me here uh, in 2019. So all different, uh, all different sized churches, uh, from a church in Tickfall that, uh, you know, was uh, 30. Uh, I think we might have gotten up to 60, 65 on a, on a good Sunday, a big Sunday, and then Satsuma, and then Highland being, a, you know, my first uh, multi-staffed church mm-hmm. uh, with a full-time youth pastor, and uh, then uh, obviously a, a larger staff at First Baptist Lafayette. So different sta- uh, different uh, size churches and mm-hmm. different staff sizes, all the way from just me <laughs> uh, to uh, to larger staff at, at Highland and uh, and First Baptist Lafayette. That's great. That's great. All great churches. Well. Um, if you would, just for a moment, take a chance and, uh, and introduce your family, just so uh, so our youth ministry leaders know that you do indeed have a family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I married Lynette. Um, we we got married, Brandon, believe it or not, on the Sunday after my first church called me. No kidding. So I missed my first Sunday as pastor <laughs> to go on honeymoon. That's uh, fantastic. And so our whole our whole married life has been in this in this journey together uh so it's real easy to to keep track of how long i've been a pastor and in ministry by how long i've been i've been married and and we'll hit 30 (laughs) years or vice versa right remember your anniversary that's that's right (laughs) so we will hit 30 years in 2022 uh in 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 june and it's been fantastic and uh that's uh you know when i went to pastor first baptist lafayette i remember pretty distinctly saying that uh, you know, just asking for the allowance to to be uh, first of all a great dad and a great husband before I, you know before being a great pastor, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and you know it'd be up to my family to to, to confirm this, but I, I've always been appreciative of the churches who've allowed me at least the opportunity to be successful as a dad and a yeah. husband. Um, so we got two boys. Uh, we're, we're, we're spread out, as some folks know, uh, in our in our kids' ages, but uh, we will have, uh, uh, in a few days now, we will have a 24-year-old. And uh, some days, Brandon, I'm more uh, weirded out by the fact that I've got a 24 year old and the fact that I'm 51. Um, and then, uh, and, and then to keep things exciting for us, we've got an 11 year old. So and, right. and no, no kids in between. So the both boys, 24 year old and, uh, and, and 11 year old and so far so good. We're, we're enjoying, uh, that, that, uh, that journey with our, with our kids. I loved having, uh, uh, going, getting through the, the the teenage years, I loved I loved that. Loved all the high school activities and high school football and sports and all of that. And uh, seeing him successfully complete college and and begin a work career mm-hmm. this year, that's been kind of you know uh, that, that's been exciting to see him walk through that. Josh, our oldest, and uh, now I'll see Drew, you know, kind of. Uh, getting involved in all of those uh, school activities mm-hmm. and sports uh, along with that at school and stuff like and stuff like that. So that's who we are. And so y'all are learning to balance the changing relationship uh, of a parent and a young adult 
as well as walking through the, the relationship of parents with a preteen again. You're getting again. You're that's, going again. That, that's that, fantastic. That is right. That's that is fantastic. Right. Well, I love to, uh, to, to hear your, your ministry adventure, and I'd love to know, um, have you ever served as a youth minister? Yeah. So, um, you know, I was called to ministry when I was a teenager. I, I, I uh, can point to the day, point to the Sunday service where our youth pastor was preaching uh, on this particular Sunday. And, and he gave one of those invitations, um, evangelistic invitations, that uh, basically was along the lines of, uh, if God's calling you today to be saved, mm-hmm. uh, how do you not know that this might be your last opportunity to be mm-hmm. saved? Yeah. And, and, when the, and, and I'd already been kind of dealing with the call, but I, you know, I was saying, but I'm a teenager, man. I got, I, got, I got time to deal with that call later. But when he said those words, it was as clear as anything I've ever believed in my life that when he said those words, I said, if that is true for the call of salvation, maybe how much more true is that, is, is that to a call to ministry? Hmm. And so wow. not having spoken to my parents about it, not really ever having spoken to anybody about it except my youth pastor, I, uh, I committed that Sunday during the altar call, during the invitation. Uh, for a, a lifetime of Christian uh, ministry, uh, that that would be my my vocation. Maybe briefly kind of wondered about that in college, but never really veered off that path uh, since being um, not yet 16 years old, actually. So I say that to say that I think at that particular moment in life, I assumed that I was going to go uh uh, to be a, a, a youth minister just because of the influence that my youth minister had on me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but that, that wasn't the case. And, 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 and uh, I did spend uh, a summer uh, with that same youth minister as an intern while I was in college, uh, probably the summer between my uh, second and third year of college. And then the summer between my third and fourth year of college, I spent that summer uh, kind of as an itinerant preacher uh, to to, okay. to camps and retreats mm-hmm. of two two youth, uh, and and so um, yeah. But after that, and I I don't want to I don't want to say that the Lord used that uh, to to uh, well I guess I am saying that I, I don't mean it in a negative connotation that the Lord used that to call me out of youth ministry. Right, I, right. I don't mean that. But God used that summer of speaking uh, as as my kind of primary ministry. To, to really give me a passion for, for speaking, for preaching. And uh, so I, I sort of quickly shifted that, uh, if the Lord would allow it, he'd use me as a pastor immediately. Mm. Uh, that's good. And that's, and that's how that, uh, that pastoral uh, journey began as I was attending seminary. Good. That's rich. And, and I think for, for our listeners, what I'd like to note is that your pastor, uh, whether he served in youth ministry formally or uh, was saved in youth ministry or uh, did an internship or something like that, your pastor has a connection to youth ministry. Um, and, and that's important to remember as we sort of move into this conversation um, where, Dr. Horn, you, you kind of give us some insight from the pastoral perspective um, of, of some of the relationship and, and some of the, um, the business aspects, if you will, I don't really know another term, but the, the office workings, um, of, of our, uh, of our churches and of our staff. So, um, if I can, I'd like to move forward just a little bit to dive right into that, you know, our, our, uh, 
ministry arm for uh, that we call the forum is designed uh, to to provide resources and ministry directly to uh, youth ministers and youth ministry leaders through the state. And, uh, you know, the last several months, maybe even to a year, I, I've had several folks that have asked me questions about um, this side of ministry, the the office, the business side and ministry relationships, staff relationships. Um, and so I've never been a pastor. I can, you know, provide them some information from the relationships and the and the time that I've spent on local church staff. But I, I wanted to invite you today to help us um, understand and, and maybe answer some of these questions from a pastor's perspective. So if we can, let's let's just dive right in um, to some of these questions and uh, and try to be helpful to uh, to some of our youth ministry leaders in um, in the world of Southern Baptist churches. We know that. Um, calling to a church or applying to a church, those kinds of things are different than, you know, for a, a everyday job. Um, it, it just happens differently. And so I've had a couple of questions recently uh, asking if it's a negative or does it send a negative message if someone applies to an open position? You know, there's all kinds of job boards and uh, ways that people see our, our newspapers, associational newsletters, things like that. Does it send a negative um, message for someone to make an application or to make that initial contact? Well, let me say, first of all, that I, I think uh, that the answer lies somewhere in the fact that there are job boards for ministry. Mm -hmm. There are appeals and associational newsletters. There uh, are always um, requests in our state paper the Bab and, and the Baptist message. So I, I think we find our answer. We begin to find our answer. Uh, there, you know, so, sometimes I've thought about this. I wish we had a better way. Mm -hmm. uh, I wish we, oddly enough, I, I think I'd like to say I, I wish we had more of a of a regular job hunting uh, way, and that's kind of where we, you know, we walk that fine line between this is a different work, mm -hmm. and and yet um, I, wishing there was a better way. There's strengths, certainly more strengths than not, to our what we call polity as Baptist, uh, where every church is individual uh, and autonomous unto themselves. But one could argue that it would be easier to find a match if we had more of a, an appointment process. Now, mm -hmm. I'm not advocating mm -hmm. for that. Please don't hear me say that. I'm not advocating at all for that. But I'm just to illustrate that our process does become difficult, mm -hmm. does become right. tricky, you right. could say. Um, but again, to answer this, uh, the specific nature of the question, I, I think it's rather I think I want my answer to be, I think it's rather expected to apply for open positions. Okay. I don't think that's a negative. I don't think you're sending a negative signal as the candidate mm -hmm. if you openly apply for an open position because I think they're communicating to you that they want you to do that. I get it that it may feel like you're not happy serving at the place, at your present place. Uh, and that might be the case, right? Right. right. I, I get it that you might feel like uh, you're wanting, uh, that it might feel like to you and applying that you that you may be sending a signal that you're wanting to go to a different place, a bigger place, mm -hmm. in somebody's way of thinking, a better place, and that might be the case. And here's what I'd say about that: you, as the candidate, are going to have to be responsible for guarding your heart mm -hmm. in that process. Right. 
You know what I mean? You're mm-hmm. going to have to be the one responsible. Am I doing this because I'm not happy, but the Lord wants me here, but that doesn't matter? Am I, am I wanting to go to this place because somebody said it's a bigger place? Mm-hmm. Somebody said it's a better place? You're going to have to guard your heart about that. And by the way, as we all know, the Lord is going to know our heart That's right. about, about that. But I also believe that there can be a purity of heart uh, 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 about this. And uh, Brandon, let me put a plug in uh, for our resume services at mm-hmm. this point. If folks haven't Indeed. gone to that uh, recently, uh, uh, we've made some changes, and mm-hmm. I think we've made some improvements. We've, we've put a lot more things in the court of the person seeking a position instead of the church. We've put a, a, a lot more emphasis on that person seeking a position. You can now browse and look for open positions and be rather anonymous ab- 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 about it. Okay. Uh, and so you can get there in a couple of different ways. You can get there from our site, louisianabaptist.org, um, but you can also go directly to that page uh, by going to go. And, and and we didn't do the Louisiana way. It's just G-O, go serve LA, uh, okay. dot org. Go Great. serve LA dot org and uh, immediately be able to uh, look at open positions and uh, if you want to follow through, set up uh, with a password, um, uh, a resume to where you, and then you can send uh, just in a push of a button your resume to that particular church that is uh, that's looking. Oh, great! I'm glad you made that plug. I was going to mention uh, that that had been revamped and, and uh, enhanced, and it's a great ministry tool. So, uh, folks, utilize that if you get a chance. Well, moving, moving on just a little bit, um, you know, I believe wholeheartedly that uh, the interview and calling process of each of our churches is indeed a spiritual one, uh, as you've mentioned. And, um, you know, as a candidate and even, even as the church is seeking to fill that position, seeking God's will in that, whatever, whatever path, whatever process is in place in that church. But there is a pragmatic side to consider. Um in every one of those and, and all the different implications. Maybe maybe we can even say, especially when a spouse and children are involved in that, uh, moving them, relocating, those those kinds of things. So um, I would ask this question. During the interview process, uh, which we understand is different for almost every church, but during that process, when is the appropriate time to discuss compensation or do you wait for the church to, to, uh, to bring up that topic? Well, you're right in everything you've said. It is, uh, it's a fair question. It's an important question. And uh, what we're trying to get at is when does this part happen? Um, you know, I, I, I think that as a, you've asked me to put my pastor hat on. Mm-hmm. And so if I've got my pastor hat on, um, one thing that I would hate is working through a process on both sides, asking questions, getting theology, getting philosophy of ministry, get all the way through that and spending days, weeks, maybe even months getting in that process and get to the point of uh, compensation and it all fall apart. Right. I mean, I can't right. imagine uh, that being what we want to do and what mm-hmm. the Lord would want us to do. Um, so. Uh, and I'd call that you know just a huge waste of uh, of time. And so I think it's important that we at, at some point uh, get to that process before that 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 part. Now, okay, I I would not say that um, 
uh, to answer the question of timing, I, you know, it seems inappropriate and signals misplaced priorities if it's the first question. <laughs> right. Um, but neither should it be the last mm-hmm. uh, because of what I just mentioned. So somewhere in the middle, I know that's not a, a very specific answer, but somewhere in the middle, certainly before you go in view of a call. And by chance that there are pastors listening uh, to this uh, podcast or key leaders in the decision-making process, let me let me appeal to them to be upfront mm-hmm. about that. That would solve most everything, right? Yeah. If the church... Uh, would be upfront uh, as early as is reasonably possible about uh, what their compensation um, situation is going to be. That would solve a lot of the question that uh, I don't know why churches would want to hide that. I, I, they may say that's, you know, I've heard people say this, you know, I never even ask, you know, well, that's just not practical as you right. as you prompted the question. That's just not that's just not always practical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's certainly not. You know, we don't want to anyone to lead with the question or to think that that's the main priority. But I I would agree that it is a it's an important topic and one that um, if everybody's upfront and um, and open about that, I think could be one that certainly wouldn't uh, corrupt the process if. Uh, if we're moving through there, uh, to follow up question of that, it, it, when when that conversation does happen, um, and maybe at first blush or or knee jerk reaction that uh, the level of compensation, the the salary package, if you will, seems too low, how how would a candidate appropriately handle that? Okay, so you say you're not yet called. You're still correct. Still, still in the negotiation, if, if, if you will, to use kind of a a, a, a business term. Um, well, I think you got to be honest. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I don't know any simpler or easier way to say it. You've got to be honest, and um, I, I don't want to come across that a church may be lowballing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a, a person, but depending on how far apart you are, and depending on how sure they are about the candidate, uh, there's probably almost always a little a little wiggle room that a church may have in in order to um, to to bump it uh, a little bit. If you're too far apart, it, it's you know it it it's it just gonna, won't it's going to stall the right. conversation right. To, to be and sure. So if I can interrupt you, the understanding would be that a church really does. Uh, as they're as they're um, interviewing someone, they they have an understanding of where their budget is and what they can offer. They, even though, as you say, there's that's right. there's some wiggle room potentially. Uh, uh, that, that's right. Um, and and you, you may say, well, why do they leave a little wiggle room? Um, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't speculate that. Well, they just wanted to see how cheap they could go. I I, I don't think that's the that, that's the um, the the issue. Sometimes they. Uh, you, you know, if it's a personnel committee, they've got kind of business-minded people on that on that committee, mm-hmm. uh, and so they are, um, uh, you know, from, they're used to that sort of approach. Mm-hmm. I think more times than not, though, what you, what you're going to sense happening is um, that uh, the, the the people in the church, the personnel committee, uh, if, if you will, uh, wants to in most reasonable case they're going to want to do more than mm-hmm. what the person is making where they're coming from mm-hmm. right and they and they're going to want to know that mm-hmm. um they they're not gonna 
you know, if it's the right situation, uh, they're not going to ask a person to uproot their family and move for something less. They're going to want to do right. uh, more. And, and they're going to want to know that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, appealing to the church side of things, the quicker they can know that, the better able they are to make a, um, a real offer mm-hmm. to, to the individual. Yeah. And keeping in mind that churches are, are also considering what their benefits are, if they, if they provide insurance, what those levels are. And there's, there's, a, there's a lot of elements to that, uh, to that conversation. And That's so just, right. just keeping an open mind um, and, uh, and, and maybe even asking good questions uh, through that conversation. Well, um, moving, moving, same question, same topic, but moving from, okay, the, the, a candidate to now someone who's on staff, maybe a year or two, or maybe even longer. Um, and the topic of a raise, and obviously we've, we've kind of already mentioned that part of the issue would be familiar, be familiar with your church budget mm-hmm. um, and be aware of what's going on there. Maybe even attend a business meeting <laughs> and, and know what's happening there. Right. But uh, but if a youth minister gets to a place where they want to request a raise or maybe even need to request a raise, how do they go about doing that in an appropriate way? Well, I think. What's obviously different about this scenario with the earlier scenario is the person is already there. I right. mean, that's that's the obvious difference. Um, and I, and I would say I think you have to be smart about this. Be as you said, be knowledgeable about the budget. And what I mean by that is, if you in being knowledgeable about the church's finances, about that that current budget year, and you know that the church is not meeting budget, it seems to me to be. Uh, an unexpected thing to, to go ask for a raise, you know, mm-hmm. because you realize you're saying at that point that uh, something else isn't going to be done um, in order for you to get in order for you to get a raise. I would also say that it's a good topic to bring up in the interview process, meaning oh, yeah. let's bring that. Let's ask the question in the interview process. What is uh, the normal time and the mm-hmm. normal manner in which uh, salary adjustments gets done. Mm-hmm. Is it great. one time a year? I, mean, I think most churches, they're going to say, yeah, when we get ready to set the budget for the next year, that may be uh, and ch- churches that do their fiscal year and the calendar year, probably October, November, committees are meeting uh, about adjusting the budget. And so that's the time to talk about it. That's the time to make the ask. If, if you know that that's the, the culture of the church, uh, you know, I'd say have that conversation in in that in that way in that time, mm-hmm. uh, because then that gives the pastor the opportunity to go to the personnel committee, to the who the budget committee, however that's being done in that particular uh, church. Uh, if that's if 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 you know that that's not the case, then it then uh, it doesn't make sense to me for you to go, you know, in June. If you know that always gets done in November, then don't go at June because you're struggling financially. That's the part that doesn't probably make sense to me and probably where some relationships get uh, get strained um, because, you know, it's just not. You're putting the pastor in a difficult spot because mm-hmm. that's not the, the norm for um, the church. That's mm-hmm. not the rhythm mm-hmm. of the church. Right. So I'm saying 
know the budget, but know the timing, know the rhythm of the church. And the better that you can understand those things when you are in the interview process to be called to that church, I think the better you're going to be equipped to navigate how you handle that a year, two, three, whatever in. Great, great insight. And so to kind of finish up this talk about about financials, um, which, you know, as we've already said, is important. It's, it's a practical step. We certainly don't want to lead with that conversation or let it be the number one priority uh, as we're talking with a church. But would, would it be fair to say that um, in all of these, whether it's interview or uh, a current staff person that's, uh, that's having questions about um, salary increase or those things, would it be fair to say, have conversation with the right people? whether that be the pastor or, or some, uh, maybe an administrator, um, just be in relationship and in conversation with them. Um, and, and don't be afraid to ask a question, but be willing to hear an answer Would that. Would that be uh, fair in your opinion? Yeah, I think it's fair. And I think it's, um, it, it's also important to say, know who that person is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and regardless of that, keep your pastor, um, informed. Right. Don't, don't go behind his back. Sure. In 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 talking to that uh, person, let the let the pastor know you you want to have that conversation, and he may guide you to. Yeah, you know. Well, what you don't know is we're fixing to get hit with a mm. you know ten percent uh, adjustment off. in yep. uh, in in healthcare insurance or 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 or, or whatever, um, and and that may can help you understand what the overall situation is. Mm-hmm. Indeed. So I want to shift um, for these next few minutes, just just a little bit, uh, to talk about staff relationships. So we, I think we would agree that um, staff relationships are not always easy. Uh, God's designed each of us with different personality types and backgrounds and uh, perspectives and all of those things. However, uh, we have been called to serve on the same staff. Um, and inside the organizational structure that is that is in existence at that church. We're called to provide programming and ministries for all kinds of different age groups and hopefully be on the same page and have the same goals. Uh, You know, I I think it's probably a common joke, but lots of staffs will talk about their staff meetings are sometimes a bit of a war room where there's a lot of uh, conversation, sometimes emotion, things like that, where strategy is being developed and collaboration um, and all sorts of those things. But we want to emerge from those staff meetings uh, on the same page. But there is a time um, or maybe you know, maybe different times, better said, that a youth minister might disagree with the pastor and and i'm not i'm not asking so much about doctrine or things like that but more strategy or how things might be done um if i could offer maybe a specific uh maybe a scenario might be the youth minister is thinking of some kind of event and the pastor has a different thought of how that might be done and there's a there's a bit of a disagreement um how does a youth minister respond to that? And naturally, he's got to submit to his pastor's authority. But if he wants to approach that conversation just to say, here's my thoughts on this. I know they are different than yours. Um, can we can we have this conversation? What's the appropriate way to handle that? Well, you probably have to learn the personality of the pastor uh, first. 
And and in time, you'll know the personality of the pastor. You'll you'll know that if the the pastor um, is approachable in a staff meeting conversation mm-hmm. with a whole group, or if he's more approachable in um, a private uh, setting. A okay. couple of things really come to my mind uh, in in this uh, regard, Brandon. Um, first, I would say, if you are going to let's say you let let's say you're going to talk to the pastor one on one about them. Uh, what, about the issue, um, then um, schedule the meeting, but tell him what you want to talk about. Yeah, give him a chance to prepare the same as you you've been preparing. You know, I, sometimes I would tell people this uh, with a staff member or or a church member. They, you know, they 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 schedule an appointment with me, and they they say something like, "I just want to talk to you about a few things, not nothing big, very big. I just want to talk to you about it." And then they come in there and they want to blow the doors down about something. <laughs> well, and they've been thinking about it six months, right? pastor isn't thinking about it at all in fact he's been told that it's not that big of a deal and now you're in the meeting and it, it's a huge deal i mean it's blowing doors off of yeah it. uh that's unfair and yes. because it's unfair i'm telling you the pastor is not going to react very well to that, mm-hmm. that conversation mm-hmm. but if in scheduling the meeting you say i want to talk about a and i, I think that's going to be received i would receive that a lot better the second thing I want to say is, let, let's say that it was something that came up at a staff meeting, and the youth minister sat there and never said a word, mm-hmm. and the matter got decided. Mm-hmm. But then three days later, he wants to meet with the pastor, and he begins to outline all the reasons that he doesn't feel like it's a good idea or, 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 or whatever. Um, that's not a good approach, and i tell you why. Because the pastor is going to see it as we just wasted two hours on uh, uh, on that in that staff meeting, and the youth minister might have might have some very valid points that actually change the pastor's That's opinion about point. that. That's a great point. But now he's in a position to where you just wasted everybody else's time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so that's what I mean by understanding the situation and understanding the uh, approachability mm-hmm. uh, of, of the pastor. But I can't think of anything that I would dislike more than for somebody to hit me with something after the matter's been uh, decided upon. And now we got to undo it. Are we going to rethink it? Are we going to have a meeting again mm-hmm. about right. about the same uh, issue that that makes everybody just feel really bad about about the conversation and so it it really if we're boiling things down in my mind it really comes to relationships be be a part of staff relationships and and be willing to have conversations Um, certainly in a staff meeting if if collaboration is invited uh, let your thoughts be known Um, and and be be a part of the conversation yeah, and, and let me let me say another issue about about this. Don't put the pastor in a situation. Most, most pastors want to be a nice guy. Right. Most pe- most pastors want to say yes. Mm-hmm. Don't put them in a situation where they're having to say no. In other words, what I'm saying is, if you know the answer's no, don't put them in a position to have to tell you no. Right. If you know it's no, 
don't put him in a position that breaks the relationship Mm -hmm. down think of it this way if a pastor's wanting to be a guy who's able to bless and who's able to say yes but you keep putting him in a situation to say no that that's a uh, that's pre- presents a bad relationship. Don't put the pastor in a re- in a situation and where it feels like the staff, multiple staff members, are competing for time, oh, yeah. for money, mm-hmm. for calendar. I think those are the big three. Are they competing against each other for time, for money, for calendar? Calendar. The, mm-hmm. You know, because listen, we all know. That there's prime time on calendar right. and there's not, <laughs> and that that's part of what those staff room wars are get, get to yeah, be about some some, that's right. some days. That's right, man. There are so many other questions that that I could think of. Um, maybe down the road we may have to schedule another one of these and and continue this conversation. Um, but to wrap up uh, this particular podcast, I want I want to ask you just a few. Uh, quick fire questions, um, and, and most of these we ask each of the guests, our podcast guests, uh, because we believe that it's really important to keep learning uh, and then to share what you've learned to let others know um, what what you're learning, what you're wrestling with, and even where you got that information uh, so that it can be helpful to them. So just a few questions maybe uh, that'll be helpful. We, we understand you're still in uh, the mode during, during this conversation that you're speaking from a pastor's perspective. Uh, so this may stretch some of us to think in that mode rather than just in youth ministry world uh, about what we're talking about. But currently, what book or books are you reading? Yeah, so I'm that guy that's reading three or four books at a time, <laughs> and uh, you know the one that, ha- that that's most interesting is the one that gets the quickest read, yeah. uh, and the other kind of lag behind, and and it's usually kind of a variety of stuff. You know, uh, I'm reading a, I'm reading primarily right now a book on the subject of poverty. Hmm. Uh, it's called Ending Generational Poverty. The reason I'm reading it is because I know the guys who wrote it, mm-hmm. and they and they brought it to me. Uh, they're from Lafayette, where I was, and uh, they began a ministry called The Bridge. Uh, and it's So the book's interesting to me because I know the guys, mm-hmm. I know the ministry, and the book gets at some of the ph- philosophical points behind their approach. It's well done, and, I, and I'm chewing on it pretty good. Um, so that's one thing that I'm, just to answer your question, that's what I'm reading. I'm also reading uh, kind of on the other side of the, of the map. Uh, I'm uh, I'm reading another book by, uh, by by a friend. I'm reading a book by Dennis Swanberg. Uh, it's kind of on my night nightstand, and in, in classic Swanberg fashion, it's called <laughs> Breakfast Bible and Bull. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. And it's really written. He wrote it as a devotion devotional to to men. I'm reading it more as a book, just to mm-hmm. kind of. Uh, it's it's very encouraging, as you as you might expect. Um, and so I, you know, no offense to my friend Dennis, but uh, it's, it's kind of my light reading, you know. But it's, but it, but it's, <laughs> sure. but it's really good. It's yeah. really powerful and and really speaks to men. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, you know, I, I like it from that standpoint. And then finally, um, I just uh, heard a guy speak uh, on on this uh, on on this book, and so I asked uh, to get a copy of it, and I, I've been reading it. And a lot of people probably know about this book already, but I'm I'm late to the party. Uh, but it's a book called Four Chair Discipling by Dan Spader, mm-hmm. and and I, Brandon, out of all the books I just mentioned, uh, this is uh, one that your listeners today could benefit significantly. 
directly from. Uh, it's a great treatment on um, the process of discipleship, taking someone from lost to fruit bearer. And uh, it's good, good stuff. Four chair discipleship. Four chair discipling. Discipling. By Four Dan. Discipling. And Dan uh, has got two N's D A N N, Spader, S P A D E R. Good. That's always a conversation in uh, in youth ministry circles. Is how do how do we how do we measure? How do we help see the progression um, of students? So that's that's great. That'll be a great resource. Um, share with us one of the most valuable ministry resources that you have utilized as a pastor. Who? Oh wow! One. Can I get two? Absolutely. Uh, let me give you a. I'll give you a quick one. Well, I didn't actually use this as a pastor. I wish I would have used it as a pastor. I began using it and taking this role. It's something that I read in a blog, and it's called the One Three Five Principle for Daily Planning. Mm-hmm. It's one major assignment, three medium-sized assignments, and five small assignments. Mm-hmm. And I began kind of using this tool when I began here, but it would it, I wish I'd have used it as a pastor. You know, I'm, I, I'm that guy when it comes to chores. My favorite chore is mowing the grass because I like to look behind me and say, See I just there. did that, yeah. right? <laughs> and this 135 thing is, is exactly like that. I can come to the end of the day and I write it. I'm not a put it in my phone. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a writer. I write it down on a, in a note notebook I keep and I scratch that sucker off when I when I do that assignment and yeah. uh, you know it's it's that feel at the end of the day I did this one major assignment today I yeah. did these three medium-sized assignments that uh, that day I did I did these five small assignments so I'm really using that uh, and it's been a great technique and um, very productive uh, for me um, the other thing that I really have used is the thinking about the resource of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not new, but uh, if I could just package it this way, kind of always maintaining that Paul in my life, mm-hmm. uh, maintaining a Barnabas or two or three or four uh, in my life. Uh, just some folks that just encourage, you, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, 2014, uh, I started meeting with a group of men for the purposes of, of, of encouragement and uh and, and even in changing locations, I've been able to maintain that. In fact, met with them yesterday. Uh, and just, uh, man, just, I can't, that's probably the one thing I can't, oddly enough, that I would say, man, I just, I just can't imagine life without doing that. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then uh, seek to have Timothy. Mm-hmm. Uh, seek just have some money that you're giving to. Yeah. And, uh, I've, I've, and, and as you will find, you get as much out of that. That's when you're the Timothy looking up to a Paul. Mm-hmm. So uh, those are a couple pretty important things that I, that I use and have been using uh, in that case for a number of years. Yeah, that's that's awesome. The ministry of people. Now, the the one three five method, do you do that on a daily basis? I do Is that it a daily? on a daily basis. Okay. I do. I do. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Write things down and use your time. To, to give you an wisely. example, this is a three. This is one of those threes for me okay. today. All right. Okay. This is a, uh, I, I debated. Uh, uh, sometimes it's sometimes I decide <clears throat> by time 
how, how long something's going to take me to do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I, I decide by how difficult something is going to be to do. I mean, sometimes it might not take you very long, but if it's like, if it's something you've been kind of dreading to do, <laughs> right? like as to, in our conversation today, talk to the pastor about a salary raise. That'd probably be a one on <laughs> right. that day, right? Yes. You've been kind of dreading that conversation, but you know, you got to do it. Um, so, uh, so this just kind of give you an idea. You know, every day a fi- uh, uh, one of those minor tasks. If I, I I have a goal, don't always meet it, but to clear that email box, you know, to respond to everybody's emailed oh, wow. me, yeah. I try to get it done. Um, and sometimes an email gets held over to the next day because uh-huh. it's not a it's a three or a one. <laughs> yeah. All right. Dr. Horn, uh, this has been super, super helpful. Um, I think lots of youth ministry leaders are gonna are gonna find a lot of useful information in here. Um, if they want to connect with you online and follow you, I know for uh, LBC staff, you provide a weekly word of encouragement to us through uh, through email, and um, I, I follow you online. You have great things to to share and thoughts to help us think through some things. How can folks follow you or connect with you online? Uh, so I, I'm uh, on Facebook. Um, pretty, I guess, I assume I'm pretty easy to find uh, on, on, on Facebook. Um, I'm on Twitter at Pastor Steve Horn. Pastor Steve Horn. Uh, and there's no E on my last name, by the way. Uh, and then uh, on the Louisiana Baptist website, louisianabaptist.org. Um, from time to time, there's a article piece that that's on there my mm-hmm. speaking schedule uh is also uh, can be found on that page as as well well friends i feel certain uh, that you will probably like me listen to this podcast and then rewind it and listen to parts and pieces of it again dr horn thank you so much for being willing to help us think through uh, some of these questions from the pastor's perspective um, and how we can best approach some of these topics. Hopefully, these insights will be useful to anybody um, who might be in the interview process um, or even those who are just looking to strengthen their relationship uh, with, uh, with their pastor or other staff members. Remember, listeners, you can find information about the forum, um, the different youth ministry events, and other resources on labaptistyouth.com or on Louisiana Baptists. Dot org uh, it has an S on the end of there. Don't hesitate to contact us if we can help you in any way. I hope this has been an encouragement to you and helpful to your ministry. Also, want to thank you so much for listening. Be sure to share this podcast uh, if you found it helpful or think it'll be helpful to someone else. Subscribe so that you won't miss uh, any of our future episodes. And feel free to contact us with any questions or uh, or thoughts or even ideas about future podcasts. Thank you so much. We look forward to seeing you soon. And uh, I hope this has been a great help to you and your ministry. The Forum Podcast is made available by your church as you participate in the cooperative program. For more resources, please visit louisianabaptist.org.